Oh, Bretto. What's up, MP? Damo just called. Yeah. He thinks there's going to be 100,000 people at the Wellness Summit. Oh, again? He thinks we're bigger than Michael Jackson, the Rolling Stones, and the Beatles all put together. Damien Christoph has gone completely mad. Did you know he's made eight tons of forage? What? <laughs> and now he wants you and I to help him get rid of it. Oh, Damo. So, look, being the good friends that we are, we've asked him. You've been forced. Well, we've kind of twisted his arm to make him literally give his forage away to 100 lucky Wellness Summit attendees. So if you're ready to enrol for our signature two days of inspiration, education and empowerment and entertainment. What do you mean, MP? Australian Idol winner Wes Carr makes his Wellness Summit debut this year, Bretto. Wes Carr, you'll be guilty. So if you're ready to be entertained, head on over to thewellnesssummit.com and get four value bags of forage muesli or one bag each of paleo, muesli, bircher and porridge when you register. Now, all you need to do is register for this two-for-one special, bring a buddy, bring a friend, bring a family member or a colleague and then choose your forage selection, four muesli or four assorted and get four bags per attendee. That's eight bags per double pass. That's almost 250 bucks of forage for free when you register for the Wellness Summit on August 25-26 at the Collingwood Town Hall in Melbourne. That's 150 serves of breakfast. Almost six months of breakfast just for registering for the Wellness Summit. Well, it's first in best dressed. These 100 tickets are only available until June 18 or until sold out. All the details of this special offer, all the topics, featured speakers and more are over at thewellnesssummit.com. Thanks for making eight tons of forage, Damo. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world, lovely ladies. Thank you so much for joining us on Wellness Room Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. Um, and actually, I'm going to do things a little bit differently today. So instead of leaving right until the very end of letting you all know how you can contact us in case you hit stop or pause before you get to that point, I'm going to remind you now. Um, so ladies, remember, um, we would love for you to be following us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash The Wellness Women or on Instagram at The Wellness Women Official. Dr. Ashley and I also have our own um, social media accounts as well. And we would love for you to follow us there. So on Facebook, I am uh, facebook.com forward slash the period whisperer and Ashley is much more professional. Hers is Dr. Ashley Bond. <laughs> so we would love for you to be following. So make sure you've subscribed to us on iTunes and give us five star ratings as well. If you think that we deserve that, because that really helps to get the message out there to everybody. Um, I'll probably do another summary of this at the end, just because otherwise I'd feel completely out of sync of how we end the show. Um, but for today, we wanted to we wanted to give you a little case. We wanted to bring you into being part of our diagnostic team. And we wanted you to come along on a little journey with us as to how we sort of break things down, because this is a pretty complicated condition that we're going to talk about today. Um, and it's definitely still very much evolving. There's lots of things we don't know about, but you might have heard about this um, because it is becoming a lot more popular and um, we are starting to understand the seriousness of it as well. Um, and what we're actually talking about is a condition called mast cell activation syndrome. 
Um, so why don't we talk about uh, a, a patient that I have seen recently, and this is certainly very similar to lots of other cases that comes in that's like this. Um, so it's a young boy. Um, he's about eight or nine who's presented with really serious fatigue. So just not not just fatigue, like he seems to be tired mid-afternoon or maybe he like starts to fall asleep in class during, you know, long readings or something like that. This is serious fatigue where he's almost struggling to even make eye contact with someone. Like he just seems to have lost that zest for life um, and all the color is drained from his face. He's getting multiple skin eruptions and is constantly um, like itching at his skin. It looks like maybe really serious eczema or psoriasis, but but he's not responding to those normal treatments like what he should. He's always sick, always, always sick. And every single base that you can imagine has been covered as to what's causing this. And this is why we're now thinking that he might have something along the lines of what we call mast cell activation syndrome. What do you think, Ash? Look, I think that uh, those sorts of symptoms are absolutely, you know, pinpointing towards a major immune concern. And, mm -hmm. you know, that sort of symptoms that you start to group together and go, okay, so if, you know, in the process of elimination, if we've eliminated any serious pathology, you know, you're eliminating major organ issues, then you're looking at a systemic condition and as soon as you talk systemic, you have to start thinking of inflammatory conditions. And that's where, you know, this is not a, a far out kind of consideration. It's uh, going to take a bit of testing. And it's tricky. This, uh, you know, MCAS is something that is incredibly hard to pinpoint. Why? Because mm -hmm. it's like a lot of the autoimmune-based conditions, it's sitting on a multi-system uh, picture. You can have people yeah. who have the extreme end and they can just be showing things like anaphylaxis, um, certainly mm -hmm. skin-based issues, like your you know, poor little guy just rashing and itching and, and you know, scratching his skin must be just horrendous. So that constant swelling and hot rash is, uh, is incredibly uncomfortable and painful can be respiratory conditions. You know, you can end up with things yeah. like that, um, sinus and nasal issues, um, wheezing, shortness of breath, certainly anything in regards to throat itching and swelling is something you've got to consider. And uh, I know that at times you can also get some digestive stuff thrown in there too, just to throw a, yeah, say, th throw a bit of a, a corker in there. It's like, you know, someone presenting with uh, diarrhea and constipation and, you know, sometimes kids complaining of abdominal compact. <laughs> My husband's jumping around in the background. <laughs> I just have to. I yeah, just. I, I just saw that uh, from the video. I'm like, what is this doing? totally distracted my train of thought. So, ladies, sorry about that. Little little sidetrack. He's, you know, anyone who's got a, a husband who is a football fan will understand what boys do when their team wins. Um, so <laughs> he's totally got me off off guard there. Um, <laughs> about some of the symptomatology that goes with um, muscle activation syndrome. And you were talking about, you know, diarrhea and mm. uh, bloating and nausea and abdominal pain, sometimes mm. vomiting, um, malabsorption type symptoms. Yep. Um, and it, even more seriously, it can manifest as things like elevated liver enzymes, um, tachycardia or um, like palpitations and that elevated heart rate, blood pressure changes, um, headaches, neuropathic pain. And I'm going to come back to that later because that's really interesting. Um, 
any kind of brain fog symptomatology as well, and even neuropsychiatric symptoms like anxiety, which is really common in muscle activation uh, syndrome. Mm. Um, and but most the most common symptom that you'll see is fatigue. But from that picture, those clinical manifestations again can be so broad that it's like throwing, you know, a throwing something at a, a wall and just hoping it sticks and just going, oh, okay, cool. So that, that could fit with that clinical picture. Um, but let's let's dial back a little bit and actually talk about what muscle activation syndrome is and give you a bit of a background and an understanding of this um, because this condition is now we're starting to really understand the depth and the breadth of it and that it can affect, you know, 5 to 10% of the population and this is the condition that I would be considering for any of my patients who don't respond to anything. So these are the ones that are chronically ill that react to everything. So Ash, you know the um, you know the patients who might walk through the perfume aisle of a department store mm. and are chronically sick for days and days and days. Yep, they'll um, go home to bed and just can't yep. get up. Exactly. Or the patients who you give maybe vitamin D to and they react to that. Mm. Um, mm. These are really poor responders because it is a chronic multi-system, multi-symptom pattern disorder um, that involves inappropriate proliferation or inappropriate growth of our immune cells. So mast cells are um, part of our white blood or they're a white blood cell. So they're part of our immune system. They're released in and they're produced in our bone marrow. Um, and then they'll go hang out in various tissues of our body. And what they do is they help us to understand our environment. So they're part of that innate immune system um, or they're called like, you know, the sentinels of the immune system. So part of their role is to synthesize chemicals and cytokines. And there's all sorts of mediators or there's, you know, over 200 mediators that go with um, mast cells and they release granules in response to triggers. Um, they can also um, phagocytose or like gobble up the bad guys. So foreign materials, bacteria, heavy metals, um, those sorts of things. Um, but what is really interesting is that the highest number of mast cells are found in parts of the body where we interact most with our external environment. So that kind of speaks to their function. So they're found in abundance on the skin, um, in our gut, and also in our nervous system as well. So this is a pathway that's helping us to interpret what's going on in our environment and in, in, and in our surroundings. But what the actual mast cell activation syndrome is, is an inappropriate, and that's really important, inappropriate and excessive release of chemical mediators um, that impact the surrounding tissue. So like that example we used, like the, the woman who's walking through the, the perfume section of the um, department store. So those mast cells are, you know, interpreting the chemicals safe from the perfume and then releasing a huge response to that that's having a dramatic impact on her whole system. And the things that most people can associate with that change is obviously the big one is histamine. A lot of people yes. heard about, you know, histamine, but that's only just one of many different chemical mediators that are released by mast cells. And of course, these are designed to protect us from the threat. So, you know, the way they respond is that they're there to, you know, 
well, there's some of the mediators that include histamine, um, prostaglandins, you've got cytokines, interleukins, chemokines. These are all there to protect the body. And, of and course, even, even things like serotonin as yeah, well is yeah. one of the mediators um, and growth factors um, and uh, antimicro, um, antimicrobial uh, receptors as well, mm. which is so fascinating. Absolutely. And so look at the, then, then what they do is they obviously go around the body, they respond. And of course, because it's, it's predominantly on our things like mucosal membranes, our skin, um, our external surfaces, which is our protective barrier, then of course, any excessive response to that, any, uh, inflammatory response is going to be seen. So often why people, you know, will experience hives, they'll know straight away they've come into contact with something that their body mm. is overreacting to. Um, you know, as a sphere is anaphylaxis, um, but it can be something as simple as stomach cramps. Yeah, and yeah. it's been misinterpreted because obviously stomach cramps could most people think, oh, I have to have eaten it, but you could be getting stomach cramps because of a, a skin-based response. Something has contacted you on the skin, but your stomach's cramping, heart palpitations, congestion, you know, wheezing. These are so yeah. non-specific in some ways that makes it very hard for people to understand whether they're having uh, an issue with this mast cell activation syndrome because when you've got many different ways to identify it like it's again one of those multi-system yeah, issues yeah. that how do you sort of go to your doctor and say hey you know i've got this and then i get an itch there and then my stomach cramps and they'll just think sometimes that um unfortunately people are put down almost being hypochondriac about this um, yeah exactly sadly many people are being uh not heard not listened to or dismissed because they're it almost sounds like hypochondria to have so many things going on at once. Um, but unfortunately, and this is what's happening. Have, and also to have such a potent, tr like, response just from such a benign trigger as mm, well. Exactly. Um, which is fascinating. And uh, I think within uh, within natural medicine as well, some things become very trendy. So, for example, um, you know, a while ago, leaky gut was so trendy um, and everybody has leaky gut just because, you know, if you start looking for something, then you're always going to find it. And I think muscle activation syndrome is starting to become something that's, that's really um, trendy because we're starting to understand it more now and we're actually starting to see the evidence of you know, what's actually going on, but there's some very, very potent, very sound science behind this. And the, the research that's published about it is pretty profound. Um, and well, it's, there's good reason to not ignore it though, because yeah. they know that there's connection now if it's untreated and if, you know, these, um, overactivity of the immune system is not managed properly, then they've also found some connections with other disease processes. And yeah. these are, you know, down the pathways of autoimmune diseases, arthritis, uh, there's fibromyalgia, chronic migraine, osteoporosis, irritable bowel syndromes, anxiety, depression, chronic fatigue, cystitis, even autism. So obviously this is an important yeah. one to deal with appropriately because it is life-altering <laughs> life yeah. and, yeah. and debilitating. So it's super, uh, super important to consider this as a possibility in the absence of any other disease process that can be identified with chemical urine and blood samples. And the reason that is, is because mast cells, they have receptors on the outside of the cells that can react and behave 
like an immune cell. So which is why they'll have, you know, maybe that histamine type reaction or the anaphylactic reaction or all sorts of different things. The mast cells can react like an endocrine cell, which is why we're also seeing hormonal implications of this and why there's some really interesting new research coming out about, you know, the immune system role with maybe endometriosis or polycystic ovarian syndrome as well. And mast cells can act like a sensory neuron as well, um, which is pretty interesting. Um, And there's either primary uh, MCAS or muscle activation syndrome where the true root cause of that problem or that disorder is absolutely the mast cells or the secondary mast cell activation syndrome, which is where this is caused by a reaction to some other disease process. And the secondary version of this is absolutely the most common. Um, And this is where maybe um, there is a stress response, which is shutting down the immune system, which is making this hyperactivity of the mast cells, or um, maybe it's response to heavy metals or a whole bunch of different things but the um stimulation of that in the first place um it can be so broad too which is why anyone who presents with this um muscle activation syndrome they need such a thorough health history that starts prenatally as well because usually what people will tell you is that usually they'll have experienced it early in life. And this is also one way we can differentiate muscle activation syndrome from, say, like a histamine intolerance, because usually histamine intolerance will develop later in adult life, um, whereas MCAS is something that they'll, they'll usually start saying things like they were always told that they even had this as a baby or um, during infancy, childhood, adolescence, so at those you know key developmental stages. Um, and it might be triggered by a particular trauma, stress, or exposure. Um, And they might mention that that is the turning point from which their health went downhill or from which they remember things were never the same. And then typically it's also associated with stress-induced flares as well. So they might be ticking along okay for a little while and then some kind of event will happen and then they'll get an absolute massive flare-up of all their symptomatology, um, which is pretty fascinating. Absolutely. Um, And I think you'll generally find a lot of people just, pretty much will describe that they've never felt like they actually feel well. <laughs> you know, like they're, yeah, they, they've... so sad. Yeah, they've never felt like they see other people look like they feel. And I think that you don't know what you don't know. So it's hard because they don't know how good or how bad they could feel, but it's based on a spectrum, based on how bad they can feel that they feel okay, but I don't think they could ever say they feel fabulous. So, um, you know, it's just, and it is sad and it's unpredictable yeah. condition and those ebbs and flows and, you know, those um, times in which there's that flare up can be incredibly unpredictable, which means that it's incredibly debilitating because let's just say mm-hmm. you have a stressful event coming. Let's just say things like, you know, exams or a wedding or a job change or, you know, a promotion event or something mm-hmm. happening. And of course, there's no certainty as to whether that's going to be the trigger, you know, enough stress from those events that's going to cause the body to to respond again. And that's where, you know, a lot of people withdraw from life and a lot of people will draw back from, you know, pushing harder and doing more and going bigger and, you know, dreaming bigger because they can't, because they're limited and restricted to the possibility that they will always have these flare-ups. Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to talk a little bit just about um, different 
and well, all sorts of different pain syndromes that might be associated with this. And things like um, it might manifest as fibromyalgia or um, neuropathic pain or peripheral neuropathies or migraines and all sorts of different things. And um, there was uh, since there's been lots and lots of studies on this, but in particular, there was one that was uh, published from the International Journal of Molecular Science um, called Marcel Mediated Mechanism of Nociception, so pain, um, that was published published in 2015 and essentially it's looking at mast cell associated disease specific pain syndromes because mast cells tend to reside or hang out near nerve fibers Mm. which means they can modulate neural activity and nociception so that the pain signaling and there's this bi-directional relationship between them and the nervous system so they're interacting directly with that how fascinating is that so these people that we see who might have an allergic response to something, are getting skin eruptions, have weird gut stuff going on, um, you know, might not respond normally to the things that we would normally do that they would, that everybody else responds beautifully to, but also they've got a chronic pain syndrome as well. You know, those are all red flags and warning signs for me that something is not right and usually, you know, this is now the route that I'm thinking down as well, um, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, fascinating. And I, I was always, you know, fascinated that um, when you look at well, how do you help treat something like this, um, you were talking about that neurologic connection. A lot of the treatment protocols also would be things that we would use for people trying to help repair nervous system, um, exactly. you know, in our chiropractic practices. And I always smile and thought, yeah. that's interesting, isn't it? And how interesting is that is that concept of heal the nervous system and heal the body. Um, yeah, so a lot absolutely. of the, the protocols for this is also part of, uh, you know, neurological healing as well. So so much, um, well, it's just so much to continue learning and it's really tricky. And I can certainly understand why, you know, I'm, I wouldn't tell you that I've seen a lot of patients with this, or if I have, I've obviously missed them to some degree because it comes across the door with so many different presentations. But um, thanks to the improved information that we're receiving as practitioners, thanks to, you know, some really forward thinking physicians out there that are pushing these uh clinical pictures forward and say hey you know this is becoming more and more relevant in practice have you seen this and if you are seeing it you know what are you going to do about it um which makes it exciting because it means that people who would typically go undiagnosed or misdiagnosed now have opportunities and the potential to finally be well and to finally help and that you know prevent the progression through further disease processes so um exactly how would we your yeah. If you're listening in and you are, and I think this might be answering your question, so correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're listening in and you are getting these light bulb moments going, God, oh. this has to be me. Yeah. You know, I don't respond normally to anything. I react to absolutely everything. Um, you know, this this fits me to a T, or you know someone who does. There is, and remember, this is still very evolving science, but there is absolutely testing that you can do. Yes, there is. Um, I would certainly try and seek out um, a functional practitioner who is well-versed in this in the first place. Mm. Um, but uh, when we're looking at testing criteria, some things that you might want to consider is just looking at your plasma histamine, so blood test for your histamine levels, random 24-hour urine that looks for N-methyl histamine or histamine metabolites. Um, you, want, you might want to look at chromogranin A, which is, again, serum or blood tests, um, traditional doctors may look for something like triptase levels. Um, It is a very specific test for mast cells. However, 
to get a positive result on that, you need to have really high level um, mast cells, with, which might be associated more with a very serious disease called um, oh, mastocytosis. Mastocytosis, I think, is what it's called. Oh, okay, don't quote me on that. But anyway, um, which is more of a, a cancerous pathological process that goes with the mast cells rather than mast cell activation syndrome. You uh, biome, um, and you can find these guys online can do a test of the microbiome specifically looking for mast cell activation syndrome. So that's definitely something you might want to consider. Um, there is um, an immune marker or called HLA-DQ8, which is also you can do with a blood test. But you also might want to look for or start testing for what the triggers might actually be. And this um, might, you know, if you go into this, down this rabbit hole, it could be so, so broad, but the most common things might be looking at molds in the household, um, allergens or, uh, you know, specific allergy testing for you, looking for heavy metals, uh, maybe methylation pathways that aren't working very well, infections such as like bacterial strep, um, the herpes virus, uh, parasites, fungi, um, and also looking at certain hormonal profiles as well. Um, to look for if there's certain triggers that are setting you off. Um, that's kind of a, a a very basic starting point if you want to look for whether or not this might be something that you have as well. Um, there is also something called the Cunningham test or the Cunningham panel that can be very specific for these sorts of triggers. So I would definitely suggest um, looking into or investigating that. Okay, so... I know this is probably a whole bunch of um, super nerdy information, but if this is something that you do know you have or you're, you think that this might be, um, you know, something that could be true for you, then let's chat now about what the treatment considerations are when it comes to like a really seriously overactive immune system like with mast cell activation syndrome. And it is a tricky thing to treat and address, but the place that you always start with this is looking at your gut and your nervous system health. Um, so exactly like what you said before, Ash, um, where if we're looking at, you know, controlling this system, then we've got to look at the control systems of that, which is obviously our nervous system. And there's such an interrelationship between our gut and our nervous system. Remember, the vagus nerve is the, is the conduit for our gut-brain axis. It, we do have that enteric nervous system as well so your gut and your nervous system is you know they're so intimately linked it's one and the same so anything that's going to support your gut and your nervous system function would absolutely be a place to start um, from there looking at assessing and addressing what your stresses are and remember it's your perceived stresses so this could be, you know, anything that might be specific for you and it could be different from person to person as well. Um, you might want to look at anti-inflammatories and antihistamine foods um, or, you know, reducing the histamine foods. Um, and then there are actually certain foods that can be really beneficial for this as well. Uh, so it's been shown and this is, uh, you know, very research-based um, and evidence-based as well is the use of ginger. Um, vitamin C is a really potent antihistamine. Um, and pea sprouts, I know that sounds quite random, but pea sprouts is one of the only foods that actually has plant amine oxidase, uh, which is a really potent anti-inflammatory and it decreases that immune response, as too does watercress. Um, and I'll, I'm more than happy to post all of these resources online as to um, where we get this information from as well. 
Um, and when we're talking about these food-based things, so things like capers, which are really high in um, quercetin. And then when we're looking at um, supporting our system with natural medicine, um, olive leaf extract is amazing for reducing that inflammatory response. Um, berberine, which is also antimicrobial as well, and your bromelains too. Um, so that's just um, like a very brief insight into that. Um, but those would certainly be some good treatment considerations. Um, Ash, do you want to add anything to that list? Oh, they also, there's definitely some reference links there to um, using things like the methylation donors. So things like SAMe yes. and B12, uh, methylfolates, ribo, riboflavin. Um, I don't know, did you mention the probiotics as well? Obviously in regulation no. to the gut because I was recently talking to Margie at Smart DNA testing and that was interesting. She was actually running through, they use lactobacillus rhamnosus um, and bifidobacter species to yeah. help with this one. So um, that was, you know, that was a bit of insight I learned from her, which is pretty cool. Um, so I would sort of go, wow, that's there's actually specific strains of probiotics that we can use, not just for any sort of broad spectrum, which is great. Um mm. Obviously, awesome. for me, omega three fatty acids, you know, heal the heal the nervous system, get those coatings right, and uh, there's a lot of benefit come from that. So, and krill oil, so fish oil, such potent anti-inflammatories as well. Mm-hmm, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so on top of all the things you said, I think there's you know there's only so much um, you want to you know change, but dietary wise, you have to make that change to the low histamine diet because if you keep consuming the triggers, then there's very little chance you're actually going to overcome this issue um and unfortunately i think this is where people are like oh no i can't live like this high histamine foods alcohol pickled and canned foods uh cheeses smoked meats shellfish there's certain nuts like walnuts unfortunately oh and all cacao based foods um (laughs) you know peanuts vinegar a lot of ready-made meals because of the additives in it, pretty much any salty snacks because there'll be, you know, flavor enhancers and preservatives, things that are going to trigger. So it's, um, yeah, d- the responsibility of diet is massive. Uh, so there can be certain foods that help, you know, that are healing foods, low histamine Absolutely. foods. You've already mentioned some of those. Pretty much an all or nothing experience uh, when it comes to running a protocol. You have to be strict about it so that you can identify yeah. what is actually helping and what's not helping. Um, so if this is sounding like you and you feel as though, you know, you may have a problem with um, it, it could be a histamine response or this overactivity of mast cells, then you need to consider major dietary changes as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, there are pharmaceuticals that some, if you read on any uh, kind of message boards for people who have been diagnosed with mast cell activation syndrome, some of them, um, you know, say that the only shift that they had was once they used, you know, H1 or H2 blockers, even for a short period of time. Mm. Um, Low-dose naltrexone is fantastic fantastic and can work really really well with this um maybe we'll do an episode specifically on that at another time but um it is one of the pharmaceuticals that has very um it's very well tolerated it doesn't have um many side effects it's not you know addictive and all those sorts of things and it doesn't have a huge detrimental effect on the body which is quite nice and it helps to regulate that immune response um so it might be worth looking into something like that as well but i think the take home there when we're looking at treatment considerations is absolutely be working with someone who knows what they're talking about when it comes to this um and just 
um, just, you know, a few final remarks on this, um, guys who are listening in now, is that muscle activation syndrome is a really chronic condition and it is on the rise as well. So I think that our environment at the moment is giving us this perfect breeding ground for chronic illness. Um, so I think that we have to be really aware of that, particularly our stress levels too, because it's usually those stress, um, that, that big stress response that increases the flares or might be the trigger in the first place. So ladies, if you do need help with this um, and you want to find someone in your local area and you don't know who to turn to, please contact us and we'll absolutely help to point you in the right direction or if we don't know we will ask as well uh, we hope that this has been a um maybe there's been some light bulb moments in this episode for some of you um, and we know that um, a lot of our patients that present like this this is certainly true for them as well um, so ladies don't forget that we're on facebook facebook.com forward slash the wellness women and on instagram the wellness women official um, we want to hear from you on all of those channels um, and make sure that you are uh, you have subscribed to us on whatever podcast um, app you are using but ladies until next week be well this year the wellness summit returns i realized in this time that I couldn't keep waiting for love from other people. I couldn't keep expecting love from other sources. But I had to give that to myself. Yanni says, I don't care if everyone says that the kitchen is the woman's world. He says, I'm gonna prepare food. I love my own cheese. I love my own wine. I don't care what you think of my new flat screen TV. He just loves company. I started asking myself more often, what do I want? Such a simple question, isn't it? When you think that, and I'm sure all of you sitting there, when you think that, something springs into your mind. And there's something there that you want, but you haven't been doing for yourself. Brett Hill and Marcus Pierce feature at the 2018 Wellness Summit. Bigger and better than ever. Tickets on sale Friday, May 4 at thewellnesssummit.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.